Hello, welcome to the fifth episode of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet podcast. Uh, I'm Michael, here with Kent and Brian and Ethan, and today I think we're going to be talking about uh, each of the tracks on the new album. We just released the album and we're really excited about it. We've been working on this project for months, for a really long time. Years. 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 Uh, lots of months. Which together make use. We still have a long way to go. Uh, We want to be able to perform the pieces um, in many more places in Colorado. Uh, We have those concerts coming up. And uh, we're still working to be able to perform for Japanese audiences as well. The release of the album is a a really sweet milestone, I think. Uh, And and so we're going to spend the podcast today uh, listening through some of the tracks. And we'll kind of talk about our favorite moments. We'll be performing this stuff uh, a couple of times in November, Sunday, November 9th at 5 o'clock at the Center for Musical Arts in Lafayette. This will be a free concert funded in part by a grant from the Lafayette Cultural Arts Commission. And then we'll also perform Friday, November 21st at 2.30 p.m. at the Longmont Senior Center. It's part of the Longmont Council for the Arts Friday Afternoon Concert Series. Also, at that same time, Paul Hansen's going to be in town, and uh, if you have the opportunity, you got to go check him out. He'll be playing at Colorado State University on Friday, November 21st, and on Saturday, November 22nd, he'll be up at Laramie at the University of Wyoming with uh, his bass playing partner in his group, Oon, O-O-N. It's a sick group. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. Mm-hmm. They're going to be playing for like an hour or so. Have you seen the way she plays the bass a lot of the time? No. Mm. She, she plays it like both hands yeah, are, are tapping. tapping the strings. It's really cool. It almost sounds like she's playing a keyboard or something. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about all the composers in previous episodes. And uh, today I think we'll focus on the music. To start with, actually, why don't we uh, jump right in with favorite spots. Is there, this is tough. We've got 14 tracks and like 45 or so minutes of music. And it's all music that's been written specifically for us. And a bunch of it is uh, uh, brand new stuff to the year 2014. So we've, we've only been familiar with this music for the past several months. Um, but despite all that, is there a spot that stands out as like your favorite spot? Something that just keeps coming back to you is something that you really enjoy either playing or listening to. Do we have to have one spot? Yes, only one. <laughs> there are two places... No. This is related. <laughs> there are two places in the... Uh, this would be the fourth track. This is uh, Rushing Through the Sudden Rain that I keep rewinding and listening to over and over again. And that's every time the, the downpour starts. That's like bar five where we're all just going nuts. And then there's the second spot where it starts to build up again, uh, where we're all doing that round where it's separated. Ah, cannon. Where where it's separated by one beat. By one beat. And the the longer that cannon goes on, the busier all of our parts get. And you don't hear it at first, but when you listen to it 
a few more times you start to hear this uh, undercurrent building mm -hmm. more and more. And I just think both of those moments are pretty sweet. Let's take a listen. Let's start with the uh, opening, which is the sudden downpour. <laughs> Is that one of your favorite spots? I don't know if it's the movement or the energy or just just hearing all, all of these bassoons just go nuts um, and it's one of those moments where it also shows very uh, clearly the title of the piece what's actually going on. And we make it sound good. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's not easy to do but it sounds pretty nice. And then the other part. Uh huh. Yeah, that's just everything's just all hells about to break loose. The way it all lines up all of a sudden. That part. Even, no, even before that, because you oh, don't okay. even notice it at first when you because you're trying to listen for the melody, you know, because most. We want, we want to listen for the melody of listeners, but you start to hear the, the parts underneath that, and it just gets, by the end of that canon, it's just getting crazy what's going on underneath it, and I like that. Forgive me for throwing this out there, but I think what Kent is trying to say is that the underlying counterpoint is amazing. <laughs> oh. It is brilliantly organized chaos. It definitely creates the effect for the audience, and then the more that you look at it and you study it, you realize there's a lot of structure going on in there, yeah. and there's a lot of very thoughtful organization and the more time you put into it the more interesting and engaging it becomes all right so kent's got away with kind of picking two segments but they're from the same movement yeah <laughs> that's right how about you michael well the one that's obvious that stands out for me is in track three and that's the third movement of kent's that's so sweet and it's um it's kind of getting ready for the last large section of the piece. Um, we've gone through the chorale, and actually the chorale itself is part of what, <laughs> part of what charms me a little bit about it. Um, but in particular, right around measure 166, 167, there's a moment of silence after a buildup, and then uh, there's this, you know, sort of explosion where we trade off the high Bs, dare I, yeah, let's let's right. listen to it before you go on. Which part of that? Well, all of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, 
like I I really enjoy the corral a lot, um, <laughs> but I think I think the thing that gets me all excited is that there's the again I mean Kent loves this sort of underlying uh, rhythmic overlapping to lead up it really builds the energy to that moment of silence and then it just busts out with the oh you like the part where he drops the bass oh. like electronic dance music yes, right I like yeah. the drop and part of what's so fun about it is what you said like maybe a year and a half ago Brian you, you made it uh, like a connection to Fletch, Fletch <laughs> Lewis, right? And so there's like the the whole pseudo song of the South gospel zippity doodah thing going on, and yeah, I don't know. It just it's so joyful. I love it. And now a word from our sponsors. Okay, this episode is brought to you by Forest's Music. Uh, they've got everything from uh, reeds to reed machines to music to just about anything else you could think of uh, that you would need to play the bassoon or the oboe for that matter. What uh, about music recordings, Ethan? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Brian. <laughs> they also have a number of bassoon recordings, including our newest album from The Opposite Shore. Yay! <laughs> so head on over to forestmusic.com. We threw out a couple of measure numbers, particularly for That's So Sweet. Anybody who's interested can pick up a copy uh, of the sheet music for that so sweet you know sit around with your friends and read through it analyze the <laughs> analyze the underlying counterpoint um, you can pick that up at uh, it's Trevco Trevco Music Publishing Trevco Music Publishing dot com Trevco Music Publishing dot com Trevco Music Publishing dot com Ethan yeah yeah so as I was thinking about what I keep kind of rewinding and going back to, it's, it seems to be usually the, the fourth movement of, of the Paul Hansen. And uh, just because originally when you first hear that thing, it's so bizarre in terms of trying to find out like what time signature is it really in and, and what are you listening for and things like that. And the more you listen to it, the more, the more it almost sounds like a, like, like a fugue like a standard like Bach fugue or something like that where you have these layers and they can they can kind of come together uh, to create something that that makes sense That's an example of when all four of us are playing and everything's pretty well developed at this point. Right. Um, I'm continuing to play this bop, 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 but that just goes on throughout the whole movement. And then there's this rich texture that includes the bass line and then uh, I think a harm, harmony of this uh, gentle little melody. God, it sure is sexy though. Well, that's what's so interesting about it is there's, with those long lines, those are my favorite because they go on and you kind of think you have this expectation in your ear that oh it's probably going to stop there or like turn around or do something and then it just sort of keeps going 
and then and then you kind of are off kilter because you wonder well okay now it's gone on like one or two beats more than i was expecting so how is it going to fit it into some kind of overarching melody and then somehow he does it so it's pretty cool yeah i love that stuff too there's i had a lesson with michael sweeney principal the uh, principal bassoonist of the toronto symphony and he spent the whole time talking about the mozart bassoon concerto which beforehand i was not really you know, interested in and wasn't having a lot of fun playing it. And he clued me in about how Mozart would basically do the same sort of thing where you have a phrase and the phrase mm -hmm. could end where you would expect it to end after four bars and that would be fine. But part of the genius of Mozart is that he would extend it by a beat or two beats or a bar or whatever and it would flow uh, seamlessly but at the same time it would be a little bit of a surprise. And that makes, uh, you know, the word at the time was delightful everybody was looking for everything to be delightful and that's what makes mozart's music delightful is that he sets up these expectations that everybody would have and then he pulls the rug out from under you but he does it in a very tasteful and artistic way anybody could throw in a surprise here's a curveball oh it's a wrong note but it's not really a wrong note <laughs> but you know to make it sound like it belongs there and to make it sound like it's part of the music that's just great and i have so much fun playing uh music that has that built into it and yeah my favorite part of the cd is also from the fourth movement of oh, the soon quartet number one by paul hansen and for a lot of these same reasons but i've got a different spot in mind <laughs> such a sweet sexy little spot I love it yeah um, even throughout the whole movement where he's playing with the meter and then resolving things he continues to play with the meter underneath and even in that last spot where it just sounds so like you finally arrived at some place like Mike's part he, he's the guy doing the bass line that's still not it still doesn't quite uh -huh. your expectation mm -hmm. of the meter he, he does that the entire way through the movement and really throughout the whole piece he does it to great effect. That baseline is exhausting. <laughs> As a means of necessity, more than an artistic thing, we were looking to we were looking to be able to add in a breath so that Kent would not die. So we were on the search of finding out a way to sneak in a breath, and it became a really nice artistic moment where we slowed it down. There's not a retardando written in there. Uh, but we slowed the tempo down where we essentially added an entire beat to a measure and that became one of my favorite spots. And then the corresponding thing after that where we are playing in thirds. Uh, it's just so sweet. So I think that the, the combination of all the stuff that we're talking about, the way that we've got this unending Baseline that seems to exist out of time, and then the sweetness of the melodic line and everything. Couple that with the title of the movement, 
Uh, and do you guys, by the way, all know what the title of that fourth movement is? I know what the title of the movement is. I thought we weren't yet going to reveal that secret. Uh, well, I think I think we can mention it in conversation because that it, he wanted to keep the title written in Japanese, right? Because he wanted everybody to have that experience of you know looking up what it is and figuring out uh, a little bit of the language. If I remember correctly, the way you pronounce it in Japanese is yunjin. Jin means people, so like if Japanese people are talking about Americans, they'll say American Jin. And uh, if we're talking about Japanese people, we say Nihon Jin. So Yunjin means friends. And so I think the, the whole thing comes together to create this kind of like timeless thing because the, the ostinatos kind of goes on uh, almost like a ticking clock. But the way that the melodic material exists outside of that always conjures up an idea of like a bunch of people sitting around, maybe late at night, the clock's ticking away, but who's paying attention? And they're just, you know, a bunch of friends sitting around making a podcast. I'm sure that's what he had in mind. I keep coming back to that as my favorite moment of a of a disc full of favorite moments. Uh, to find out what your favorite moment is, you can get our album in many different ways. It's available on our website, boulderbassoons.com. Um, and it's also available on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify. You can get it at Forest's Music, our wonderful sponsor. Um, all right, to wrap up this episode and play us out, here is a selection of... Uh, a runner-up of a favorite section of the CD, which is... Rakuya? I vote for oh, Rakuya. Yeah. Heavy metal on bassoon. Heavy metal Heavy on metal. bassoon. Here's, here's Rakuya, the third movement of Bassoon Quartet Number no. 1 by Paul Hansen. <laughs> oh, no one else is joining you. Okay. <laughs>